The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into Shot and Vip, a podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina this football season by Johnny T-Shirt. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Vipolis, joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman and teammate, Jeff Schottmer. Jeff, we are entering uncharted territory for North Carolina. It's another victory Monday. Carolina beats up on Syracuse 40-7. to Carolina moves to 5-0 and now on the season. I, I'm almost at a loss for words with, with what we're watching with this North Carolina team, but in the best way possible, what were your biggest takeaways from that Syracuse game? We got a damn good football team in Chapel Hill. You know, we got a complete team. Um, you know, the offense, defense, special teams all made winning plays in this game to to help us secure the the victory. I mean, it's our fourth victory versus by double digits versus Power Five opponents. That's got to be you know one of the only few teams in college football that can say that. Um, I just loved the attitude we come out with. It's just such like a work, work, workmanlike attitude. We're laser focused. We're just playing really good complimentary football from all phases. Um, you know, we, we passed the eye test, the quote unquote eye test. That's so big. And like, you know, college football playoff rankings is they talk about, you know, passing the eye test and winning big when you're supposed to, and coming into this game, you know, I said it last week on the podcast, I was like, I don't care if we win this game by three points, four points, seven points. I don't even care if we don't cover this game just because I believe Syracuse was a, was a good team and they were going to present some challenges. And we completely, completely dominated that game from start to finish. And uh, that was the most impressive victory. um, And probably since the Miami victory in 2020 from just, just complete football. We were in total control the whole time. You know, just just awesome win. Yeah, this has been more of the same for North Carolina outside of that App State game where they go in. They're they're the ones dictating how a game is going to be played um, outside of like a, a few drives here and there for for some teams. Minnesota to start the second half, uh, Pittsburgh, the first few drives, like outside of like maybe four or five drives from a total of four games. Like this North Carolina team has shown that they are like the expectation shouldn't be just to get to Charlotte right now. 
the expectation should be like win the ACC. You have such a good quarterback in Drake May. You have a, a ton of skill players. We'll we'll get to Tez Walker in a second and, and what his influence was for this offense. You have Amarin Hampton who's running the ball great. And then we've said that North Carolina just needs like an average defense when you have all, all of that that I just mentioned. The defense is a lot better than average. And, and I think that's something that's kind of flying under the radar with how well they're playing. I, I think a lot of people can see that the defense is a lot better, but you know, a, a lot better from a defense ranked in the 110s would probably be a defense, you know, somewhere in the 80s. Like this defense, I have the actual numbers of, of where they are. Um, somebody posted them on the message board. Their I think total we're top, defense, top, top 30 in scoring defense. Their total defense is 35th. They're giving up 334.6 yards per game. Their scoring defense is 30th. They're giving up 19 points per game. Their red zone defense is tied for 31st in the country. Like what we're watching is a, a top 25 offense, a, a clear top 25 offense with one of the best quarterbacks in the country and a defense that's top 40. And when you pair that together, it's like, yeah, the, the goal should be to win an ACC championship. And I, I, I think you're right with that, that like workman type mentality because they, they come off a bye. in years past, North Carolina has struggled a bit coming off a bye, especially when they're, they're dealing with a lot of success and, and all the things that come with success. It, it we talked about that like trap game mentality and that Syracuse team was averaging 38 point. I think 38.6 points per game entering that game, North Carolina pitches a, a first half shutout against the orange, their first shutout since um, the first, first half shutout since 2021 against uh, Duke. I want to talk Tez Walker because I feel when, when we were talking about the South Carolina game, we were like, the closer to game time that Tez Walker is able to play, the more it's going to be able to fire up the team. How do you think North Carolina handled Tez Walker coming back? And then how do you think Tez Walker influences the entire offense? When I, I think the biggest thing is you, you get rid of the what ifs. What if North Carolina has Tez Walker? We kind of saw what that what if is. I just want to talk about how exciting it is for him, his family, and our fan base together. You know, to see our community, you know, rally around this guy and his family and the support that we had for, for Tez, for, for a, a, a North Carolina kid who transferred in, and he's not like a, you know, we didn't have this long recruiting process with Tez. You know, he's kind of new to the Tar Heel community. And for us to just rally around this kid, I've never met him in person, but he seems like such a good kid comes from a great family. He he gets everything he deserves, right? An under under recruited kid who just has progressed his college career and gotten better and better and made himself into an NFL draft pick. You know, you know, I texted with multiple people, um, you know, this week after uh, the, the news came out that Tez was finally eligible, and a lot of people were saying this is the most proud they've ever been in the university. Just in terms of you know, we had a firm stance on something. We believe Tez should be able to play. We believed we were right, and we did everything in our power to fight for those, for fight for our guys, and get the situation corrected. So, I just want to give a shout out to all the people that were, you know, had a, had a hand in this and, and just never gave up, and were willing to do anything they could to make Tez Walker eligible, and rightfully so. Um, if if this situation happens in 2010, 
Tez Walker is ruled ineligible. Carolina hands over some other stuff, and and even more players are somehow ruled ineligible. For sure. The crazy thing to me was the NCAA was saying we were missing stuff, but like, okay, if we're missing information, then give us a list of what you need to to see, and we'll gladly do that for you. So, you know, they're full of shit, as always. Um, I will say this podcast was optimistic the whole year that he was going to come back. So Shot and Bit podcast, we provided the optimism. We didn't do the dirty work. We we did the easy thing, just talking about it, how, you know, hey, I think Tez Walker, there's a chance he's still going to play. So I want to give ourselves a little pat on the back for that. Um, but going back to your questions, I, I thought it was smart how we eased him into the game and we kind of let the other guys who had been producing in his absence, you know, they started. You know, Tez came off the bench and – you know, we threw him a couple passes. Most of the stuff we did was, you know, kind of short hitch routes, speed outs, intermediate. I love that in the first, I think it was the first quarter or second quarter, we threw that cross country route as we were approaching the red zone. You know, we, Drake overthrew him and it, it was probably Drake's worst throw of the day. And we had Tez, you know, wide open for a touchdown. But I I love that we called a shot for him to go get in the end zone. You know, obviously he's he's a skilled player. He can run. And that was the perfect play call for it. But how electric would have Keenan Stadium been if Tez, you know, got a got his first touchdown? Oh, man. You know, walk into the student section. That would have been, you know, fun to see. But I'm sure we'll we'll see that this weekend. Um, but the other thing I want to talk about is, you know, Coach Chizik was was just complimenting Tez so much about his effort and intensity on scout team. You know, for the past three weeks, and for a player to be ineligible, deemed ineligible in such a catastrophic way and just for him to stay locked in and do whatever he can to help our team. And you can see our DBs getting better throughout the season. So look, give Tez, Tez credit for competing against our guys and, and, you know, embracing his role before he was actually ruled eligible. Um, but look, we're going to, we're going to unleash Tez, you know, it's kind of like a, a slow start and look, he had five or six catches 40, 40, 50 yards. He made a great catch on the sideline in front of Coach Brown. And that that kind of showed his ability, his ability to go, you know, go get it. Look, he looked like a small forward on the basketball team, climbing the ladder and going to high point the ball. Um, so he he just brings another element to our offense just in terms of his height, his his speed, his down the field, uh, down the field ability. Um, look, we got a stable full of stable full of horses. You know, with all those other receivers in the first four games getting some production and and playing well and getting confidence, J.J. Jones, Nate, Kobe, and now we add, you know, a true number one into our offense. Whew, watch out. Watch <laughs> that out. Was, that was something I mentioned in, in my postgame video where J.J. Jones is playing with so much confidence right now. He had that huge third down catch in Saturday's game to extend a drive where – you know, there there's so much trust in him working outside the numbers and being able to beat defensive backs and on, on those like comeback routes. And if if he doesn't beat you on the comeback route, he could hit that post route. So a, a cornerback can't just be kind of guessing where he's going to go. He's your wide receiver three. Then you have somebody like Kobe Pesor. I'm not sure. I couldn't really tell if that ball got tipped to Kobe Pesor, but the one that was kind of behind him, he tips it up. Goes for 77 yards, one of Carolina's longest play on the day. He's your wide receiver four. Like the fact that Carolina right now is in a situation where you have Tez Walker, Nate McComb, 
J.J. Jones, Kobe Pesor, and, and that's not even to mention the tight ends. And the biggest thing with Tez Walker coming back is that I think it's just going to make everybody else's job so much easier on that offense with his ability to stretch the field over the top. And I, I think you did see how much room there was to operate in the middle where Nate McCollum goes for 135 yards. Bryson Nesbitt, who everybody talks about as this like prototypical um, NFL tight end with, with his combination of size and speed, he has one of his best games this season. And then I also think you have uh, a better run game when teams can't load the box where like, like in the pit game where, where we saw Pitt, you know, challenge Drake may to try to beat them, which we'll, we'll, if you're North Carolina, you, you'll take that opportunity every time for, for Drake may to go out and win you a game. Um, but I, I think you did see a more balanced rushed rushing attack too, but I don't know how much of that was, you know, Tez Walker's influence, how much of that was Carolina getting somebody like Willie Lampkin back. Um, and, and I think the the other thing when when we're talking about Tez Walker that I think doesn't get enough credit is how well this coaching staff did at identifying the necessary talent in the transfer portal. You look at Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, just two game changers at wide receiver. Willie Lampkin is Carolina's best offensive lineman at, through five games into the season. And then we'll we'll talk about him later, but Elijah Huzzy looks like a star at corner. Um, so I, I do think that the the coaching staff and um, whoever's in control of the roster management and, and keeping an eye on the transfer portal and also Carolina's NIL collective, I think all those pieces kind of deserve a lot of credit for getting players to Chapel Hill. How did you think – Chip Lindsay did at, at calling a game, especially getting somebody like Tez Walker back and, and maybe not trying to force things early on. You know, I thought he called a great game. We were just, the word that I'll use is just efficiency. You know, we were efficient and balanced, right? So early, early down runs where we're getting three, four, five, six, seven yards, stay ahead of the chains. And then the thing that I loved the most was our passing attack in terms of we were, we were throwing the ball to the slots and we were throwing the ball over the middle of the field. There was a good mix of, hey, we're going to dink and dunk a little bit, get the ball to our, you know, our skill players in space, but we're also going to take some down the field shots. You know, you see two, two long throws to Nate. You see the, the shot to Tez Walker, which we didn't hit on, but at least we're, we're trying to get the ball downfield. I love that we got our tight ends back, in, back involved. You know, Bryson Nesbitt is a, is a mismatch in the slot. If you put a linebacker on him, he's too, he's too long and athletic. If you put a safety on, he's, he's too tall. You know, he, he, he had a great game catching balls over the middle of the field. And you see how well Drake throws the ball, you know, inside the hashes. Obviously, he, can, he has the arm strength to throw deep and outside and all that. But he, he's pinpoint accurate when he throws the ball in the middle of the field. Um, so that was great to see. Um, you know, we had a little bit of issues in the red zone. We, we didn't – our percentage – no, our touchdown percentages in the red zone weren't as, you know, high as they normally are. But – you know, put up 40 points. Um, you know, I thought he called, I thought he called a really good game. It's exactly what we needed. You know, when you have 400 passing yards and 200 rushing yards, I don't think you can be very critical of an offensive coordinator. So, um, yeah, I, I, I give him, I give him an A. You mentioned the, the credit that we deserved, uh, earlier in the podcast about Tez Walker, um, and 
how Carolina was hopeful with knowing that things were going on behind the scenes. The other thing I think we kind of deserve credit for is the uh, the people that were kind of concerned with Drake May through through two games because he wasn't putting up the numbers where he comes out on Saturday. He's 33 of 47 for 442 yards, three touchdowns. Like there, there are rightful things to maybe be concerned about for this North Carolina team uh, areas where they, they can be handcuffed later on down the road um, challenges that they might face. Drake may is not one of them. <laughs> he, he is an unbelievable talent at, at the quarterback position and he he just makes it look so easy back there. It, it, it's it's really remarkable the way he opens up the game. I know you've been a, a huge fan of him when he opens up um, the offense with his with his legs. And I, I think um, I think we did see that too a bit yesterday, where he has uh, fourteen attempts for for fifty five yards on the ground, in, including a, a rushing touchdown too. And, and I he he's a lot more shifty than then people give him credit for it. Like he is the, the way that some people were talking about um, Garrett Schrader going into the game. Like he's, he's a big guy. That's kind of tough to bring down. Drake is big, but like he, he, he has some make you miss potential when, when he is running. Um, But yeah, the, the offense, the offense was, was really good. And, and I think the other thing that we should probably hit on with the offense is, they're playing with like yes, they they can beat you with the skill position guys, but this team has also shown that if you want to get into the, this toughness battle and um, you know trying to out tough the other team, they're more than comfortable doing that too. Yeah, I mean, look, you see the App State game where you know Hampton runs wild, Minnesota, who's known as this tough physical team, Pitt, who's known as this tough physical team, and we. Constant, constantly, consistently. I couldn't find the word there. We're hit, we're having body blow after body blow, and we're we're running the ball well. The the one thing I want to talk about is is Corey Gaynor. My favorite play of the game was probably so he gets his helmet knocked off, and he's still blocking his ass off. The I think the uh, Syracuse nose guard like has his hands to his face, and look, Gaynor's helmet gets gets ripped off, and he's still blocking his ass off trying to get the first down. And he comes up, shows some emotion, some grittiness, some toughness. Like, that's the nastiness you need as an offensive lineman. And he kind of sets the tempo for the rest of him and Willie Lampkin. You know, they play with an edge to him. And that's, you know, we haven't seen that out of our offensive line in, in years. You know, just to be a prick, to be gritty, to be nasty. Like, that's what you want from your offensive line. And, you know, he, he's played a lot of football. And I know him and Drake have a great relationship. So, um, yes, he's playing well in the field, but he also provides – you know, that, that leadership factor, that, that toughness to kind of set the tone for our offense. So, you know, I, I wanted to give him credit. I hope some people noticed that, but um, yeah, I mean. The offense, man, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable what we're watching and it, it really shouldn't be surprising because North Carolina has Drake May, but to see everybody else kind of rallying around and, and seeing the way that, not only the coaching staff has gotten the most out of players, but just the the players that the coaching staff has gotten to Chapel Hill to put North Carolina into this position where, um, like we said earlier, like it's it's not only enough to to get to the ACC championship at this point. I think 
you have the talent to, to win it all. Um, and, and then, you know, from there, if, if, if Carolina can run the table, it's like, who knows from that point. But um, before we get to the defense, I'm going to look at the offensive grades from Pro Football Focus. The top graded player for North Car- for North Carolina, Nate McCollum with a 76.5. Drake May was number two with a 75. Corey Gaynor was number three, 74.5. Bryson Nesbitt, there was a tie for, for fourth and fifth. So it was uh, Bryson Nesbitt, 74.2, and Spencer Rowland, 74.2. So they were really high on, on Carolina's offensive line, um, which, which hasn't always been the case. It's normally been Willie Lampkin kind of leading the way. So to see Corey Gaynor up there, to see Spencer Rowland up there, that that's a good sign for this North Carolina team as, as they continue on with the season. Uh, but before we get to the defense, have to take a minute real quick to talk about our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. It's the perfect stretch of games right now. A, a bunch of home games for people to be in town in Chapel Hill. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill, visit Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. If you're not going to be in Chapel Hill, visit them online at johnnytshirt.com. They are great people, great customer service. And for the football fan, you, you need more gear. We're, we're gearing up for the colder weather. They have the cold gear. North Carolina has a top 15 team. Get somebody or somebody in your life something from Johnny T-Shirt. They'll appreciate it. And don't forget, Inside Carolina, premium subscribers save 10% off their orders at Johnny T-Shirt. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shot the North Carolina defense. I mentioned some of the numbers earlier. 30th in, in scoring defense. What was your overarching theme when, you're, when you are watching this defense and, and you are seeing them stack success after success week after week? So it, it wasn't as disruptive as the South Carolina game, just in terms of sack numbers, TFLs, et cetera, but almost more impressive than the South Carolina game. To hold Syracuse to zero points in the first half is that's, – that's really, really, really good football. Just because 
you know, a team game plans all week for, for our defense, right? An offense puts in all these new wrinkles that they're going to run to kind of expose the weaknesses of our defense. And for us to pitch a first half shutout is, is very impressive. Um, the thing that I love we're doing is we're tackling really well. And that, that always hasn't been the case in, in seasons past, you know, and, and even earlier in the year. Like when Syracuse completes an eight-yard pass against our corners, they're now hitting them and they're going down at eight yards. You know, there's no trickle effect where they're, you know, bleeding for a couple extra yards. We're missing a tackle and they're gaining, you know, getting an explosive play. Our linebackers have always been sure tackles. They're playing well. Um, the thing that I liked was normally in a lopsided game, like you see some garbage time touchdowns and, you know, the, the defense kind of letting up in the second half. You know, for us to only allow seven in the whole game, that's that's really good football. And that shows that the depth that we've continued to develop, that our young guys are going in there and playing well. Um, I just, I thought it was a really impressive win. We didn't, you know, there wasn't anything like super flashy about what we did. I think we just played good sound football. You know, our, I kind of challenged our interior defense alignment, you know, in the pod last week about, Hey, we, we need more plays from them. You know, the, the Murphy's of the world, the Tamari Foxes of the world, the Travis Shaw, hell big fellow. It's time for you to go earn your money, you know? So I, I saw Murphy make a couple of TFLs. I saw, Fox played pretty well, probably his best game this year. And then Travis Shaw was in on two big tackles. One that was yep. a third down stop in the first half. And then another one where he, I think it was another third down stop. You know, he's, we're, we're getting some production from them because in my opinion, in the last couple weeks, that was the weakness of our defense. So everyone's kind of elevating their game a little bit. And, you know, I, I think we can talk a little bit more about individual play because there's some guys that I think, that we need to talk about and, and I'll let you kind of put your two cents in. Yeah. The other player, when, when you are mentioning some of those interior players, the other player that I thought at least had a moment where, where he kind of flashed was uh Kedrick Bingley Jones, where Trader is looking to, to break outside the pocket. Uh, Bingley Jones kind of sets the edge, funnels everything back inside. That that's, that was what I was the most impressed with watching this defense, knowing that they had a game plan, knowing that Coach Chiswick had an emphasis to funnel everything inside, make sure you set the edge, make sure you were um, focused on, on your gap integrity because we've talked about that at times where North Carolina gets nine sacks in the first game and they come out the next game and they're just pinning their ears back thinking that they're going to just be able to replicate that success getting after the quarterback and that kind of leads to that over-aggression to where you're overshooting your lanes. And I think, I think that was – what I was most impressed with North Carolina, where the entire talk into this game about Syracuse was, you know, how, how effective can Garrett Schrader be on the running with his, with his legs in the running game, because that has been something that's killed North Carolina in the past, those rushing quarterbacks. And especially when you're, you're watching the Syracuse team in the lead up to the game and you see Schrader goes for 195 rushing yards when they play Purdue and North Carolina holds him to 10 attempts, 28 yards, 2.8 yards per carry for, for Schrader. What, what did you see from, from North Carolina in being able to contain him in the, in, in the pocket and kind of funneling everything inside? And just from, from your experience playing with Chiswick, you know, what is that like where it feels like he's handing you guys the blueprint? And if you guys just focus on what he's teaching – that he's going to put you in a place for success. I mean, you're exactly right. First of all, on opposing quarterbacks rushing 
skills being our Achilles heels as defense for the last couple of years. You know, we've seen consistently year over year over year that a running quarterback against a UNC defense, you, you bet the over rushing yards because, you know, for whatever reason, we can't stop them. But so it was, it was great to see us kind of step up to the challenge. And, and it even goes back to, you know, two weeks ago at Pitt, you see the first drive where Jerkovic has two big runs over 15 yards and we ID the, the mistakes and we get them corrected later in the game. So it's a similar scheme that we ran from Pitt um, last or two weeks ago to, to what we did for Syracuse. I, I thought our edges held up and, and we kind of, we didn't let Schrader get on the edge. We kind of made him run in between the tackles or, you know, he, he couldn't really get to the perimeter. Um, so I, I wish I could go into like film breakdown, like Jason Staples does and be able to show you exactly what we're doing, but just be able to talk on a surface level, you know, and we, and we hit him when he was running, you know, he's a big guy and, um, He's had some success, but we did a great job containing him. And because he, he's not a dynamic thrower, he, he has some talent. But, you know, to make to make him beat, beat you with your arm, you know, I don't think he's going to do that majority of the time. But, you know, two guys I, I want to point out um, are Don Chapman and, and Geo Biggers. Because um, I haven't been hard on him all year, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, they're not huge playmakers. And and I thought Don Chapman played one of his best games as a Tar Heel yesterday. You know, he he's kind of caught some flack. You know, he, he's played a lot of football, but he hasn't made, you know, a bunch of plays. But he was consistently in the right place at the right time. He tackled very well. You know, he he, he got a couple pressures on the quarterback. Um, you know, he, he's seen a lot of things. So he's an experienced player, and it was good to see him step up. And and Geo Biggers, he played a, he played a good game as well. Um, the, the thing that I love about Don is, and this is hard to be able to explain without film, but, um, there was a, there was a play early in the game that it was a formation and a play that other teams have hit us on earlier in the year. It's a, it's what we call crack replace. So Don Chapman is the final fitter in the run game and the single receiver to the, to the, you know, short side of the field, he, he cuts his split down and they do a running play and, and he goes and cracks the safety and the corner now has to replace and make the tackle. Like that's a very common play in, in football of all levels, crack replace. And in and, and, and weeks past, Don Chapman has, has not really asserted himself in the run game, but I finally saw him, you know, he corrected his mistakes from the past, you know, past few weeks of, of really diving down and being aggressive in the run game and allowing the cornerback to see that and, and coming off the, the crack replace and making the play. So just little things like that, and maybe we can dive into some film later this week or going forward about how we can show that. But, you know, just little things like that is we're correcting our mistakes from prior weeks, you know, and, and applying it and, and really getting better. So um, hats off to those guys. Yeah, Syracuse has only 129 um, yards passing. They have only 221 yards total. And the when you're watching the defense, every level just seems so much better. The, the corners look good. The safeties look good. The linebackers, we kind of knew what the linebackers already were. And, and you are getting production um, on the defensive front. E even if it's not equaling sacks, that's that's one of the things we've kind of talked about before where, you know, the, the sacks can be a bit misleading as, as a number for, for how dominant a, a team can be defensively because Carolina only has one sack yesterday 
or on Saturday against Syracuse, it was a, a Cedric Gray sack when, when he forced the fumble. But you're watching that defense and you're like, okay, they had one sack, but that defense is playing really good and playing at such a high level right now. Uh, credit to all the players, credit to all the coaches and, and the game plans that they're putting in. I mentioned him earlier, Elijah Huzzy, the star. He, he, he's playing that star position, but he is a star defensively um, for this North Carolina team. Uh, a quick stat before I let you talk about what, what you saw from Elijah Huzzy. 179 cornerbacks in college football this week played at least 47 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. The second highest grade out of all of them, Elijah Fuzzy, 88.1. So, I mean, the what Carolina is getting from Elijah Huzzy, uh, it, it's hard to talk too much about what he means for this defense and, and how he kind of raises everybody else's level. It's the, the playmaking, ability, playmaking ability he has is something we haven't seen in a long, long time at, at the defensive back position. He's making game-changing plays that are affecting our whole team. You know, that interception he had, you know, he's – I went back and watched the film. He's playing – it's a third down. He's playing inside leverage man at six yards off. It's, you know, third and five. So most of the time when it's third and five, the, the offense is going to run a route usually to the sticks and try to get the first down that way. Elijah is is sitting at the sticks. You know, he, he has great footwork off the initial release of the receiver. And for him to play inside leverage man and have the ball skills to pick the ball off and, and save it from, you know, touching the ground, like that's just a rare blend of, of ball skills, intelligent footwork, like he's he's the full package as a football player, and I know our guys love playing with him. His his playmaking is contagious, and I mean we got an All ACC defensive back on our roster for the first time in maybe ten years, eight eight nine ten years. Yeah. Um, you know he's he he he's like Cedric Gray. They raise everyone else's you know expectations and. You know they hold people accountable. I, I know he's a guy that practices really hard. You, you ha if you're that good of a player, you're he's definitely a really good practice player. So he is, he he's great for our team, and uh, you know we're we're lucky to have that guy. Yeah, you mentioned the the raising everybody else's level, and you know a, as the season goes on, I think teams are going to start trying him less and less. How do you think? his play has kind of improved the play of players like Marcus Allen and Teon Holloway, where we're, we're watching the, the South Carolina game and Teon Holloway, is somebody who's getting picked on, but as the season's kind of gone on, this North Carolina team really doesn't have too many players that you can pick on. Yeah. I think it's, it's reps from, from our outside cornerbacks like Marcus Allen and Teon Holloway have now had games and games of reps and you can see their growth and you know like Tayon Holloway in the first game you know he probably let up over 100 yards but he was competing and he was making making them make contested catches but now that's paying off like he's getting more confidence he's getting more reps so I don't know per se if it's like Huzzy's impact directly but you know he's playing in the slot and kind of locking down his portion of the field and, and allowing Holloway and, and Green to have more balls thrown at them because they don't want to throw at Huzzy. Um, but I think it's just them gaining confidence, them getting reps, and then 
I'm sure, but I'm sure behind the scenes, it's like it's Huzzy in their ear in the film room. It's Huzzy on the practice field with them. It, it's Huzzy on the sideline. Like, I think he's just the complete package. So he's just like an uplifting guy that brings everyone else with him. Yeah, and Carolina gets a, a, a new cornerback coach. Uh, they bring in Huzzy and kind of the, the leadership he gets. And I, I think the, the biggest thing watching this secondary, like, I remember one catch on Saturday that Holloway did give up. It was like a back shoulder throw to where the Syracuse receiver just made a great play on the ball. Like Holloway was right there. That's was that of, on our sideline on the yeah, UNC sideline? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Late, late in like probably third or fourth quarter. Um, yep. But that, that's kind of been the biggest difference when I'm watching this defense. Like they're, they're limiting the explosive plays that they give up. I, I'm pretty sure – uh, I saw a stat that North Carolina has only given up one play of 40 plus yards, which is only like four, four or five teams in the country have done that. Where in comparison to to last year, you're watching some of the players out there on the defense, and you're like, there isn't a, a player in the secondary 20 yards within where this receiver was. And at at the very least, if if players like Taylor Holloway or Marcus Allen are giving up receptions. They're stride for stride with receivers, and when a, a receiver does make a play, they're bringing him down right away. I looked up the missed tackles on Pro Football Focus. It, they only missed six tackles the entire game, and, and with how how efficient offenses are and with how athletic everybody is nowadays, six missed tackles, like you, sign, really up for, good. you sign up for that um, every week defensively, and uh mentioning the like, I, like i mentioned earlier in the podcast we're tackling a lot better you know and it's and, yeah go ahead yeah and the, the pro football focus grades before uh we take a look at what's next for carolina um i'm gonna go off the the players that played like a good amount of reps because there's some players in here uh shout out to cave law Played two snaps and he has an 86.3 grade on Pro Football Focus. That that's one I'm I'm putting that on my Instagram bio. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I come in, I play two two snaps uh, and they're giving me that high of a grade. I, I'm putting that on my on my profile. But uh, for the guys that played a, a good amount, Elijah Huzzy 88.1, Cedric Ray 83.1. Uh, Miles Murphy 74.4, Tamari Fox 72.7, and then Don Chapman uh 71.6. So, I'm not, I'm gonna give myself another pat on the back, but my eye test is usually right because those <laughs> are all the guys I talked about. <laughs> hey, it's nice to be you know validated, you know, validated, you know, yeah. affirmation, reconfirmed, whatever you want to yeah. say. Uh, the, the question, actually, I, I just thought of this question before we get to the um, what's next portion for, for Carolina. When when you look at this North Carolina team and how they're going out there and they're controlling games, what kind of similarities do you see between this team and, and our team in 2015 where we were going into games and we were like, there's really nothing you could do game plan wise to beat us. Like the only way you beat us is if we have a, a really off day or or we have some like uncharacteristic mistakes, but for the most part, we know if, if we just go out there and execute our game plan, there really isn't a team that can hang with us. Yeah. There's talent all over the board, obviously led by a really good quarterback, but 
I think the biggest thing we're seeing with this team is just their confidence growing and growing and growing. And confidence is a danger, mother effort, bro. When you get when a team gets confidence and you can see them play and their energy and their swag, like like look out. Like seriously, you know, when, when you're consistently beating teams by double digits and your team's just like more look, more people are getting to play, the camaraderie on the team's better. We're spreading the ball around on offense. I think we had 10 to 12 guys touch the ball. You know, we're playing a lot of guys on defense. We're rotating defensive linemen. You know, we have a young linebacker that gets a pick. That that boosts morale for the team. Yep. We get we get young DBs playing. We got sub packages on defense where Hardy's playing, Lane's playing, you know, Chapman's coming in. Like, look, when more guys play, it's just winning's fun, winning's contagious, and we got some confidence and, and some swag right now. It's a little bit different than the swag that Colorado's got. Like we got this more like reserve swag that we're, we don't got you know, we're good. Yeah. We don't got rollies, but we got dubs and we got <laughs> uh, like, I'm, I'm hyped. I'm hyped to be at, at the game next week. It, I mean, it's, it, it is a fun team to watch. Yeah. It, it's hard not to be excited about this team. If, if you have a, a rooting interest and you care uh, whether you're an alumni, a fan, a letterman, like, this team has kind of rejuvenated the entire fan base when you're looking around and, you know, you, you might've had an idea of where this team could be, but like it, it's kind of gone even past those ideas when, when you see, you know, how flawless they, they are playing on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, what's next for, for North Carolina is a, another home game. It's the seven thirty kickoff against Miami, Miami, Miami completely ruined the, the vibes going into this game. This should have been a, a top 15 matchup. They had a 99.9% chance to win the game. They they don't take a knee uh, against Georgia Tech. They fumble. Georgia Tech goes down the field. They're, they're not thinking just field goal. The Miami cornerback slips. Haynes King beats them over the top. And, and just like that, uh, Miami loses a game where they really had no business losing. You know, what, what are your kind of thoughts as we as we get into this game? Look, this is uh, – so Coach Brown has been talking about since we got – since he got back to Carolina for the second time about, you know, we're a regional team right now, but we want to be a national team, right? Georgia's a national team. Bama's a national team. You know, those, those – Ohio State. Um, you know, right now we're very well known in the ACC – but this is our chance, you know, on primetime, ABC, Saturday night. It's really our coming out party for the, for the nation. Like, I think everyone's aware of who Drake May is, but they really haven't seen us play, you know, so our whole team. Like, it's, it's time for the, us to make a statement on national TV Saturday night to show who Carolina football really is and, and put ourselves on the map going forward that, you know, we're not just trying to compete for the ACC championship. Hell, let's, let's go get in the college football playoff. Like this is going to be our best chance. So it's kind of like a coming out party for, for us as uh, on the brink of let's become a national program, especially this year. I'm not saying like all the time, we're going to be this perennial top five team for the rest of our, for the rest of eternity, but hell, we got our set. We got a chance to really make it, make a name for ourselves on the national stage, like similar to how Louisville did last night. I think, you know, no yeah. one really, they know that they're a good team, but like, if you ask someone in Florida who's if Louisville's good, they wouldn't tell you they're five and zero or six and zero, you know. But um, so you know they they put a ass whooping on Notre Dame and 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 it's they made a big statement. So it's time for us to do something on the national stage as well. 
Yeah, and then we'll conclude the podcast with our pick of the weekend presented by our friends at Congruity. They are a North Carolina-based national coverage, local presence, personal support, straight from the Tar Heel State. They are empowering small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you to grow your business while they take care of your greatest assets, your people. And they're doing it the entire time with top-of-the-line technology, services for every stage of your business's growth with a state-of-the-art online platform. And the people at Congruity are obsessed with customer service. They become part of your team doing the heavy lifting, providing essential admin support with a single point of contact and support available on demand with services that are tailor-made, transforming organizations. Congruity has helped hundreds of businesses improve and enhance their day-to-day lives, level up your HR capabilities, save money, unlock game-changing growth. Visit congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels to learn more about Congruity. Fill out a quick form to be connected to the consultants, and they'll give Inside Carolina listeners or viewers a payroll and HR assessment for free. That's congruityhr.com backslash Tar Heels. Jeff, we mentioned it last week. The the way that Congruity makes it easier for businesses, we want to make it easier for for the people that are going to be out there betting games. Last week, I gave uh, UCLA minus three and a half. The Bruins have the comeback. Uh, they win by by seven, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's that was a win for me. You had Colorado minus four. Colorado's up seven late in that game. They can't get a stop. And then they just need a field goal. So Colorado wins, but they, they don't cover the spread. Uh, it was a tough one for you. I'll yep. let you start this week. Um, what's your pick? Of, what's your pick of the weekend? So UNC, I think there's some books that have a minus three. There's some that have a minus one and a half. That is a, that is insane. So I am, my lock of the week is UNC minus three. I'll even play it up to minus six and a half. Like hammer that thing, get Thor's hammer. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Like that's a lock. I know I said Colorado was a lock last week. Let's forget that. They should have been covered. I think you, you were on the right side. You were on the right side in, in the Colorado game. Uh, for 80% of that game, it felt like the right side. And 80% of my UCLA pick felt like I was on the right side. Uh, I'm also going to go North Carolina. Whatever the spread is, one and a half to, to three, somewhere in that range. I'm upgrading this game to a must win because I, I don't think you could lose to a coach like Mario Cristobal. The, the, must win. The fact must that win. the fact that Miami is coming off that gut-wrenching of a loss and, and, you know, wondering how they're going to respond. It's, it's not like they're staying in Miami. They they now have to, you know, pick back up. You see the players on the sideline, you know, questioning, like, what are we doing in that situation? And I think there's either two ways Miami comes mm-hmm. out of this game where, one, they kind of rally around each other and, and rally around the coaches, which – the coaches just let you down in a massive way. So that could be tough for them or they come out and they quit because North Carolina gets out to an early lead. So I think we'll know pretty early which Miami team we're going to get. And um, if, if there's anything that we know from the past, it's that Mario Cristobal is not the best in-game coach. He's not even a good in-game coach. Um, He's going to win you the off seasons and, and win you those recruiting battles. But leaves a lot to be desired with with the amount of talent he brings to Coral Gables. 
And then, you know, I think North Carolina is at home and, and Miami is a team that when they handle, when they face adversity in the past, they do have a tendency to quit as, as most like front runners do. So uh, I'm joining you minus one and a half, minus three, whatever the line is. We ride together. We die together, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, baby. So that is our pick of the weekend presented by our friends at Congruity. North Carolina back in action, 730 game from Chapel Hill, Keenan Stadium under the lights, the ABC game against the University of Miami. We'll see if North Carolina can keep their perfect record going and get to 6-0. and uh, but shot appreciate the time as always, man. And appreciate everybody watching and listening. Appreciate everybody. See you guys in Chapel Hill next weekend. Can't wait. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.